The coronavirus is the biggest threat this country has faced we for decades. We have asked everyone in Wales to make changes in the way we live our lives. Stay at home during this pandemic. Welcome to Journos in Lockdown. A podcast created by trainee broadcast journalists who are learning to report in a global pandemic. As we've not been able to go out and meet journalists, we've decided to bring them to you and ask them what challenges coronavirus has brought them and what the future of journalism might look like. Hello and welcome to this episode of Journos in Lockdown. I'm Evan Hall and last week I virtually sat down with BBC Radio 1 Newsbeat presenter Stefan Powell. During our conversation, we spoke about the challenges of broadcasting from home, some advice for up-and-coming journalists, and some political blogs. Anyhow, enough of me, and on to the episode. So, Stefan Powell from BBC Radio 1's Newsbeat, thank you very much for joining us on Journos in Lockdown. So, before I start on your career as such, uh, I just wanted to briefly touch on a bit of your academic history or your route into journalism. And I believe your undergrad degree was in law and you were going to you know, go to the next step to be a barrister into legal training, but you changed your mind at the last minute to take a broadcast journalism course? I did, yeah. I just uh, must have decided that the wig wasn't for me. Um, <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a weird, a strange situation. So I was in Cardiff um, and I lived on a house, San uh, Blevian Gardens, just at the back of the Students' Union. Uh, and I can remember sitting in my uh, sort of room just thinking about what I wanted to do. And that was when I sort of had a look, came to have a look at CGS for the first time. Because I'd always wanted to be a barrister, always going to do law, always going to be a barrister. That was, that was it for me. And then sort of last minute started to look at other options and change my mind. Um, and I had a weekend basically to, dis- to decide what to do. And um, I'm not 100% sure what it was that tipped the balance, but it was definitely the right decision because, um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a brilliant 10 years since then. Um, yeah, I think it must have been just that I'd, I'd seen the wigs up close and personal and decided, no, they, they weren't going to work for me. It wasn't a game of eeny, meeny, miny, mo, was it? <laughs> yeah, just close my eyes and point and see what happens. But I was very lucky that I had, you know, two offer to go to, to Cardiff Journalism School or an offer to study the our vocational course I know I was lucky that I was in that position of choice and um, just sort of came down to what I think thought would be most fun at the end of the day. So let's hit the main reasons why you're here to talk to us today obviously coronavirus impact on all the journalism industry no matter what walk of life you're from really so a basic question to start with is how has the coronavirus impacted you specifically in terms of broadcasting? Oh, well, it's had a it's had a huge impact. Um, you know, just you know, in terms of broadcasting, I think when you look at the the wider impact on society and people's lives, as journalists, we're quite we're very lucky in this circumstance because our jobs carry on. Um, for, well, certainly, you know, in the BBC, working for the BBC, and lots of journalists across the country are still going to be really busy telling the story, and so. Yes, there's lots of other things for us to worry about, which I'll come on to in a sec, but it's, you know, issues of, you know, where, where my next pay packet is coming from or, you know, things like that haven't affected us as, an, as a profession. So, you know, other people are far more, have been affected far more than us. But when it comes to the, you know, the, the day-to-day of broadcasting, there's lots of changes. So to begin with, Newsbeat is a team, um, I don't know the exact number, but there's more than 30 of us overall because we do as well as the bulletins and the programme that you hear on Radio 1. We've got um, a big slice of the BBC News website that we populate every day. We make uh, documentaries, we make podcasts, 
uh, we make um, programs for the iPlayer. We do loads of stuff. So there's a big team of us. And to go from a situation where you're all in a, an office together, we've got a big eight o'clock editorial meeting every day, which is quite intense sometimes, it's fair to say. You know, to, to have that interaction with your colleagues every day, to know there's only four or five at most in the office every day and everybody else is pretty much working from home. Um, that has been a, a major adjustment. I like, I don't know what you're like, Ev, but I like um, human interaction. I like, you know, bouncing off people and talking about ideas. That's the beauty of a newsroom, isn't it? You sit and say, oh, I've got this story. I don't know what I should do. And then someone will say, oh, have you spoken to so-and-so? Why don't you do it like this? Or do it like, you know, that sort of the creative process is quite handy. And, and you sort of having to adjust to that, you know, me sat often in shorts, I'm not going to lie to you, in my <laughs> living room. Uh, trying to be as creative or trying, trying to, you know, to keep doing it. That has been a big change. And then practically speaking, my wife is um, uh, a journalist as well. She reads the news on the Absolute Radio Breakfast Show with Dave Berry. And so she has got the living room, which is now our mobile, not mobile, but this is our news studio now. She's got it between the hours of 5am till 11am. And then afterwards... We swap over and she goes into the bedroom and I take over the living room to sort of turn it into a new studio. So practically, it's been a bit of a, an adjustment period as well. So just picking up on two of the points you sort of alluded to in that little discussion bit there. Obviously, you said you share your, your front room as your studio with your wife. And obviously, broadcasting at home brings its own type of challenges in some respects. You know, some people maybe can't really filter to that adjustment to not to working at home. They like to go to the office and sort of put that work mindset on. Do you find that hard to transition between that home life and the work life at home? I don't, I, I don't, that's not been something I've had an issue with. And I, I think it's because as journalists, you're never really fully switched off, are you? Even in your totally relaxing on a holiday next to a, uh, next to a pool, drinking a cocktail, you know, if there was a crazy tornado or some sort of natural disaster, the first thing you do is get your phone out and start recording. Like, you, there's just something in your brain that means that you're never fully switched off. And I don't think that's necessarily healthy, mind you. And so I think it is good to try and find ways to make sure you can totally switch off from work. So I think, you know, in that regard, I think it, it's been the change has been okay i think the difficulty is um is trying to maintain that creativity like i say because um often you're in the same environment seeing the same you know faces you know moving to the same places all the time and so then you can get into a bit of a rut you know sometimes creativity comes from when i'm on the commute into into newsby i get a bus then i get a tube then i walk you might see someone uh, or you might listen to a different radio show, or you might read a newspaper or, you know, or whatever on that journey that sometimes will spark a little thought in your mind, which might lead to a treatment idea or might lead to a story idea, which then gets commissioned and then ends up on the radio. So I think that's for me is the, the, the challenge of how people maintain their creativity whilst sort of boxed in a little bit is, is a challenge. Well, it's all pull that back at you. Don't you think on the flip side, maybe, but being at home as such, you've had to think more creatively about stories and getting stories and contributing to things like that. So maybe it's having a plus side on the on the broadcasting terms. Yeah, well, definitely our reporters on Newsbeat are doing a, a, an unbelievable job. I, so I um, 
I was as a, a senior journalist on the team, so I, I'll sometimes edit the program and present the program. And I don't do as much day reporting, we call it, as I used to because of the my role change. But seeing those reporters who do that day in, day out, still coming up with creative ideas and treatments, still making radio packages, sound as good now as they did when they were in the office is, is a real testament to them. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes it makes me think, oh, how was that there? They were much better than I am. Thank goodness that I, I had a promotion when I did. Um, but yeah, no, I think, you know, it's some people have really, you know, r- risen to the challenge, haven't they? And it's been, um, it's been quite something to see. Obviously, the news cycle is dominated by COVID stories at the moment. There's, there's no doubt about that. Do you think that maybe the news cycle is over-dominated by COVID stories? And do you think there could be a bit more flexibility in what's on news agendas? To be fair, I just had this conversation with someone um, about a very big story that's happening later on this year that we're sort of working with them on, sort of getting some, trying to get some access to something. And we were having this very conversation just before I came on the call with you, which is why I'm a bit late, sorry. Um, and, you know, it, and it's it's that balancing act, isn't it? Because ultimately this is the story that's most important at the moment and other things feel a bit trivial but then, you know, some of the audience, then they do want a bit of escape and a bit of release from, you know, from that story. And so it, it's, it's a balancing act to, is, to answer your, your question. I don't think you can accuse anybody of over, um, over egging this pudding, if you will, or, you know, over reporting on the, on the coronavirus pandemic because it is so important. But I think as an organisation, well, not as an organisation, as a programme, we try and offer some light in, in a program every time and whether that is light about coronavirus something brilliant that people in the communities are doing or whether it's something totally different whether it's a story about video games which i do a lot of on newsbeat or if it's a story about a new tv show or whatever having that balance is important but i wouldn't say that at the moment it's people are getting it wrong and i think but i think that will start to change as as the weeks go by so sort of culminating all these type of points together then, and again, you have sort of touched on this already in some of your answers, is lockdown, lockdown going to change the industry of broadcasting going forward? I think we will see more people working from home, I think, or we'll see more, we'll see more people working um, on location. I think that what I've seen recently is that, you know, you look back at the sort of at journalism in its, in its truest form, which is people in an area finding stories and, and, uh, and, and telling them. And one of the difficulties, one of the issues that sort of the rise of social media has brought is that, you know, people just go on social media to find stories these days. And there are some brilliant stories to be found there. And we, we, we do them a lot. But that sort of art of being in a, in a location and knocking on doors and, and talking to people in pubs and, and what have you, isn't maybe as prevalent now as it once was. And I think if if you've got that sort of confidence that people can still be massively creative, still um, fulfil the brief and not have to be in the office, then I think, you know, we will see more, you know, journalists out and about, which I think is, um, which is, which is a good thing, because also it's a good thing for, to, to reflect the different stories from across the UK, not just sort of London. So moving the discussion a bit further forward now, we're slightly away from COVID and how it's impacted the industry. In your career, you've done very, very many roles throughout TV, radio, with very different genres, styles, and even languages as well, because I know you're a Welsh speaker. Um, so, you know, I've just written down a couple here, obviously, Radio 1 Newsbeat, to Question Time, Extra Time, to the iCloud Dive, which you usually did, uh, recently did with S4C. Do you find it hard transitioning between each medium? 
as such? Um, it's a, that's an interesting question. I think, do I find it difficult? I think it's, it's hard to answer that without sounding a bit naff. Um, uh, so I'll tell you for what, and I think, because I think one of the, one of the tips I got given early by, um, you know, some, some of my mentors when I sort of was getting into the industry was like, you know, you, you, you have to be true to yourself, right? And you have to you speak in a way that you would speak normally. So just because you're reading a bulletin or you're um, doing a voice piece or a package or whatever on a story, doesn't mean that you have to sort of turn into newsman Stefan or you know, newsman Evan or whatever. You should still be yourself. And so because I've tried to do that from the beginning and Newsbeat's really good at making you do that because, you know, we're, we're normal people that just are telling you about the stuff that's happening that day. And because I've been trying to do that from the beginning, when you end up doing something um, slightly different, you know, the same rules apply, you're still being yourself. So that, therefore you're not really, you're not change, chopping or changing anything really, you're just giving different information. So on question time, extra time, you're just being you, but talking or giving political information away. If you're presenting Newsbeat one day, you're just being you, giving coronavirus information away. Or if it's, the Aether Dither program on S4C, it's, it's you being you, just teaching somebody Welsh. So as long as you're sort of, and it is a bit naff to say, but true to yourself, you know, if you're being you throughout, then then it, then the medium doesn't, you know, I, I don't think it's, it, you know, it doesn't change that much. You do have to be mindful of what the production team are after and what the audience is after. Sometimes you have to be really serious when you're doing the news because it's really serious news and it's really sad news. And you can't be too, you know, upbeat about that. But also, um, you know, there's time, you know, there's times when when, it, when it's different. And so I think if you're mindful of that, and so you're mindful of what the audience is expecting, then it sort of it makes sense. That's a really waffly answer. That's actually quite a difficult question. Well, I just thought, I just thought, you know, I I find it quite commendable. But you know, it's not even the fact that you know, I think the languages thing in itself is quite a a, a thing to achieve in broadcasting two languages. But the fact that like I say, the, the examples I pointed out between Newsbeat and Question Time, Extra Time, it's just completely different styles and genres and whether you had a different mindset or a different attack as such to them. Yeah, I think, I think the more I'm thinking about it now, I think the, the, the big thing is always the audience, is what is the audience expecting from you at the end? So, you know, when you're delivering news, they're expecting a certain thing. When you're on fighting talk, they're expecting you to be a certain way. When you're on an S4C light entertainment programme, you know, and I think always thinking having the audience in the, you know, the forefront of your mind, along with being honest and true to who you are, then I think it's, you can, you can jump across different genres and you see other, other journalists, you know, do it, do it pretty, you know, really well. And, um, and I think, you know, that sort of gives you an authenticity as well that the audience enjoy because you know, you're not being fake. Everybody, nobody really likes, when you hear someone on the radio or see somebody on telly that you think isn't being isn't really them if they're putting on a, a front or a face or whatever i think audiences see through that and don't engage with you then turning the tide then obviously we're trainee journalists um so what's the best piece of advice you've been given or maybe a piece of advice you could give to us that's a great question um i think what piece of advice would you i think so if, there's, there's quite a there's quite i've got quite lots of bits of advice in my career which i've been really lucky of and one of them is just talking about there but sort of being true to your your voice and you know finding who you are sort of thing um, is really good. But I think trying everything is really important. Giving everything a go. Um, I've been lucky enough in my career. I've 
done a bit of producing, done some reporting, I've done some presenting, um, worked online on radio, television. And because, you know, it's really important to be multi-skilled now, isn't it? Because, you know, could we work cross-platform and have the digital skills, all that stuff, right? It's really important. But also, if you don't try all this other stuff out, then you don't really know what you really enjoy doing most. And what, you, what I've always found is the jobs that I've been, what I think I've been best at or, got, you know, done well in or what have you are the ones that I've enjoyed the most and the ones um and so because if I wouldn't have found that out necessarily if I hadn't tried it uh, you know I know I've, I've produced programs and I know that producers make the world go round without producers all of the media would would crumble and, and fall down and the work they do is unbelievable I know I wasn't a very good producer uh, because I tried it because I produced for a bit and um you know, I've studio produced, I've done all that sort of stuff and really good ones are really good. And I could see them doing, I thought, oh, well, that's, that's not me, is it? So I'll just go and do this other thing instead. And so, you know, so that, that is, is really, is, is one bit of advice that I, that I've um, sort of learned. And also really two bits of really, my most important bits of advice, actually. One, learn how to make tea, because even if you don't drink it, even if you don't drink it, you should at least offer to make the tea round in any office. And I know that's old fashioned, but I'm sorry, I'll stick by it. And two, genuine, it is, is to be nice um, because it's a hard industry. Everybody's trying their best. And, um, and, you know, I think if you're nice and you're encouraging to other people and that, that goes a long way because it creates a nice atmosphere, whatever you're working and people remember you if you're, if you're nice because, and if you need a favor, which everybody's going to need at some point, people are more willing to do it to you than if you were rude to someone. So I think, yes, we work under stressful conditions. Yes, the pressure's high sometimes in, in media jobs. We're not heart surgeons. You know, we're not on the front line of the coronavirus pandemic, are we? So just, just try and be nice. So how much hard work and graft and luck is needed to get to where somewhere where, like you are today? A lot of the above. Uh, you need to do long, long hours. Get used to the long hours in the early starts. Um, you, can't, you can't fluke this industry because you get found out pretty quick um, because accuracy is really important. Knowing editorial guidelines is really important. Having a sense of the legal issues on a story is really important. If you get it wrong, you know, you know, it can have quite serious consequences. So you need to work hard at those things. And yeah, you do need to get lucky. You do have to be in a position whereby the job you really want comes up and you're in a position to go for it. Um, or you're not sure, like what happened with me is I wasn't really sure what I was going to do next. Um, I always had a goal. I was no, you know, had a goal in mind, but there was a sort of period where I was sort of not sure what to do. And then my wife made a decision that she was going to move to London. And I thought, oh, well, okay, maybe I'll come with you. But there's only one job I fancy and that's Newsbeat. You know, and if that, if I had, you know, I went for that and that was six years ago and I've had an absolute blast for the last six years. It's been a real joy. Um, and so that was luck that, that that opportunity happened to be there at the time that I needed it. And so you've got to be aware of those things, but sometimes luck goes the other way for you then as well. You know, if you feel like you're ready for something, but it doesn't happen. Okay. So you, annoyingly, it's not like I've got friends who are like engineers or, um, or lawyers to a certain extent and there's or accountants and there's very much a linear path isn't there it's like a oh I'm, I do this exam and then I do this amount of years and then I become this person and I think as you, you've got to accept that in our game it's not quite that straightforward 
And as soon as you accept that and roll with it, punches a little bit, then it becomes easier to sort of traverse the the tides of of a, the ups and downs of a career because you, you do have those. So I'm coming on to my last two questions now, Ben. So obviously, again, going back to the comedy type issue, what do you think as trainees we could be doing right now to sort of enhance our chances in the industry? Well, there's two things. I think it's it's fine. It's it's about proving it. You know that you're really interested in, in this is a this is a this is more than just a work for you it's uh it's, it's your passion for for a job which i always think is really important and so i think you can do that in a couple of ways one you can be speaking to people to try and find stories or angles on the story that nobody else is looking at at the moment and that could be a local angle to you it could be a hyper local angle it could be about a specific hospital or school or pp provision in a certain county or whatever so you know trying to find a story that nobody else is telling or trying to find people because what i've discovered in what i've sort of keep finding out more and more is that people make good radio good television it's case studies and if you've got people in your team that are good at finding case studies we've got a couple of people who work in newsbeat who are unbelievably clever at finding people to talk to us about stories they bring it to light. And if you can find these people and, and talk to them and build up relationships, that's only going to you know, stand you in good stead. Because when you do get your first shift on that radio station or that TV station in, in a few months' time or next year or whenever it is, and they say, all right, so-and-so anniversary of uh, coronavirus, Sarah, what can we do? And you say, oh, well, I've got this amazing nurse who was actually building PP in her spare time and was you know, homeschooling four children, whatever the amazing personal story is. And you can just bring that out to be like, oh, right, that's, that's really handy. So those are, those are two of the things, stories and people. Two pillars of journalism, really. Is Basically, like. yeah, yeah. Not, not much different to any other time, but just obviously very focused on that one, that one issue. Right, so we come to my last question, and I trialed this in the last podcast I did. I, it's a bit of a light-hearted round. Right. So I've got nine questions. I didn't go for ten because I just thought it would be different. Uh, and <laughs> got lazy didn't you but you couldn't be bothered yeah. to think of the 10th question could you yeah exactly that's the whole point of it yeah so I've got nine questions answer them as quick as you can and we'll just see how it goes okay funniest moment in broadcasting um, getting a very famous Welsh language radio presenter's name wrong on air are you willing to disclose who that was I couldn't possibly <laughs> maybe it's an intended mistake <laughs> Um, there's a, a, a also a Welsh language one. Unintended mistake is um, there is a, the number for one hundred in Welsh sounds very similar to a English swear word, um, which um, people used to get wrong when they used to say Jeremy Hunt uh, <laughs> when he was the culture secretary, and I got I got that wrong a couple of times. Oh dear, dear, dear. Yeah. TV, TV or radio? Oh, that no. <laughs> uh, you can't ask me that question. I can. TV or radio? Probably, you know, radio. Any reason? I think I just think there's less technical hoops to jump through. Like, uh, you know, television is brilliant, and I enjoy television. Television reporting can be a a bit of a faff with the technical side. I remember being making a documentary in Tokyo in um, October last year, and a very key scene coming up, the sort of the the ending of the of the of the documentary. And me and the cameraman, uh, Matt, who uh, works with us in Newsbeat, was fantastic, tearing our hair up because we'd burned through all of the all of the batteries and we, you know, were just trying to 
frantically come up with a solution. So yeah, radio just because it's less less technical hoops to jump through. Best interview you've ever done? Best interview I've ever done. It's a good question. Um, in my in my early years, uh, well, there's, there's a there's a few that there's a few that spring to mind, but the one that sort of stuck me with longest in my early years in journalism, I interviewed um, an alcoholic mother uh, about her you know sort of struggles with alcoholism. And that really stuck with me. That was quite a poignant interview. That was some, some tears in that one. So that one sort of stuck with me. And then I made a, made a current affairs show for Radio Cymru once where we interviewed persistent offenders. And um, that was a real insight. Um, but if you're after celebrity answers, then Hugh Jackman's lovely. <laughs> favourite location? Oh, too many. Come on. Well, favourite favorite location I've worked in or just favourite location? You, you interpretate it how you want to. Uh, my favourite location we worked in is when well, we used to do this TV show for BBC Wales called The Hour, and we, me and um, my friend Catherine, who was the presenter, we used to go to around Wales doing basically like question time, but uh, for BBC Wales it's called The Hour, and we used to take over leisure centres basically and bring everybody in. But one time we took over the training barn at the Park of Scarlets for the Llanelli uh, Scarlets training ground. So that was quite surreal, doing a TV show where the, the Scarlets train, that was quite fun. Tea or coffee? Tea every single day of the week. <laughs> late night or early morning? Both. Pick one. Um, I'm a, more of a late night man. Current series binge? So I've just finished a show on Sky called Gangs of London, oh. which is a super violent gangster drama. It's excellent. Favourite moment when you were a trainee? Oh, so me and two of my friends, Glyn Tansley, who uh, went on to work edit the Today programme and now makes radio documentaries for loads of places in the BBC, and Kemlin Davis, who is a, a political reporter for BBC Wales. The three of us used to do a podcast called Politics Cymru. We were at CGS, and uh, my favourite moment was, was when the three of us were down the same for the results of the then Welsh Liberal Democrat leadership election. Very niche. <laughs> <laughs> super niche but we just had an absolute joy putting that thing together and to be fair that podcast that we made we just put online ended up helping the three of us getting our first jobs so it was um yeah that that was the highlight for me i just just sort of building off that because I, I don't know if these two were right to but didn't you used to do a, a blog as well called the tree dewey which is the three davids that's it the tree dewey yeah so we we started anonymously because we wanted to be cool <laughs> um and uh, the three deweys were me glenn and kemlin yeah i can't remember who was one two and three now <laughs> we were on order yeah we had we had dewey one dewey two dewey three because we were like i said we were you know we were cool so we had to be anonymous uh but that that was a real joy and i think uh, we learned lots and we made so many mistakes in that podcast but that's a good thing because you know you, you 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 learn as you do, and um, like making sure you you press record and basic stuff like that. Two more more complicated editorial questions as well. So the final lighthearted question: Describe your career in three words. Um, I'm lucky. I've been blessed, and it's been fun. Stefan Powell, thank you very much for joining us. We're doing plaster. Now, Tiorch and Carl Vivan, Thanks. You're listening to Journos in Lockdown. And that's it for today. Thanks to Stefan for giving us his time and answering my questions. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter. We're at Lockdown Journos. And we'd love to hear from you, your thoughts and feelings on the series so far. 
And the next episode is tomorrow, when my namesake Evan John will speak to Laurel Chaw. Until then, stay safe, and I'll see you again in the near future. But for now, goodbye. <laughs>